This podcast is brought to you by the ABC Recovery Services of San Antonio, Texas, where we provide intervention, sober transport, case management, and peer recovery support. With this podcast, we are looking for real solutions to real world problems. Now and then I'll let it go. By the waves I can't control, I'm learning how to be a better boat. Welcome. This podcast was previously recorded in June 2020 from my older podcast, Here I Am Keeping It Real. We are just moving it over here in order to combine podcasts. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy it. Hello. Welcome. My name is Bubba Norton. This is my podcast. Here I am, keeping it real. This is the how and why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. Didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter, in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father, and we are his children. Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we passed to freedom. When we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer. Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. Established on such a footing, We became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. As we felt new power flow in, and we enjoyed peace of mind as we discovered we could face life successfully, as we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter, we were reborn. And that comes from page 62 and 63 of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I am excited to announce and introduce my next guest today, Scott. Uh, I met Scott in June of 2009. I had gone back to AA for the first time in several years and got a new desire chip. Walked in. He's one of the first people I saw. Him and Bobby knife Bobby R that big knife wound across his face <laughs> he, you know as much as Bobby scared me I said I'm going in and uh, sitting beside him was a nice looking man friendly not cute and uh, met him his name was Scott and he's been one of my closest friends in that room and somebody when he shares I shut up and listen he always has a good share and he's got a remarkable story of experience strength and hope and I've invited them to come on and share that with us today. So I'd like to introduce Scott to our podcast. Scott, thanks for coming on. Buddy. Thank you, Bubba. Um, you know, we talked a little bit ahead of time about we're going to have you come on here and share. You know, I want you to qualify yourself as an alcoholic. Just don't let me talk. We ain't got to go way back. Talk about your drinking. How bad it got, then let's get out of the problem and get to the solution. Yep. Yep. My name's Scott. I am an alcoholic. My sobriety date's April 1st of 2007. 
Um, I'm 66 years old, so that puts me in the generation of a baby boomer. And when I look at that, I uh, that's my personality. I'll, I'll get into some, I'll talk about that later. But like most children growing up in the 60s and 70s, I had my experiences. And when I drank back then as a child, as a teenager, I got drunk. First time I drank, I got drunk. I didn't drink all the time. I didn't drink every weekend, but when I drank, I got drunk. And then as an adult, at the end of my career, I drank every day and I got drunk every day, period. Um, I have a wife. I have two children. I have four grandchildren. Four. Yeah. And I've had a pretty full life. But let me get back to what happened on that April 1st of 2007. I was on a road trip from hell. I got done working. I ride horses for a living. I've trained horses my whole life, ever since I was a little kid. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go on a little road trip. In the process of that, I had a car wreck, and I drove that car into a tree. And the car bounced up and hit a, hit a limb, and the limb collapsed around the top of the seat because the moonroof, sunroof was open. I drove that, I pulled that car off that tree and I hadn't prayed in years and I said to God, I don't want to live like this anymore. Just don't want to do this anymore. Drove the car home. The police came to the house because they found out where I lived because the bumper fell off the car. Anyway, I ended up in the emergency room at a hospital in San Antonio. I came home, went to bed, and the next morning heard my wife say to her mother on the phone, I'm done with him. Mm. I went out I went out in the, in the backyard and I got my phone and I called my doctor, called my psychiatrist is who mm-hmm. I called, Dr. Burns. And I said, what do I do? Where do I go? He told me where to go. I went to a treatment center in Fredericksburg, Texas, called the Serenity House. Mm-hmm. I went there the next day. That day, actually. So, I look at it this way, because I always, you know, always debated the, the idea of a God. Mm-hmm. But I asked God, I don't want to live like this anymore, and guess what, the next time I'm in treatment? Mm-hmm. So that kind of opened the door for me. Right. Right there. Mm-hmm. That opened that if I choose to believe, like it says, either God is or he isn't, what's right. your choice? Right. I choose to believe. That's when I started, because it made sense. Uh-huh. Keep going. It made sense. You know, and I, I was in treatment, and I'm like, they handed me a big book, right? I mean, that's what they did. I walked in, they looked through my luggage, make sure I didn't have any drugs or alcohol or anything hidden in there, and then they handed me a big book. How beat start, down were you when you got the treatment, Scott? Huh? How, beat down? How oh, beat down were you? Were you ready? Had you well, right now I'm 180 pounds. Mm-hmm. I was 130 pounds when I went to treatment. Wow. Holy smokes. I couldn't and imagine I, you. I, I slept. The walking corpse. Mm-hmm. I was beat down, beat up. And then I want to talk about the joy of my life was gone. Yeah. And all my, I grew up privileged, I don't know if privilege is the word, but yeah, I did. Yeah. 
I never went without anything. I've got to ride horses my whole life. My old man, my father was a career officer in the military for 30 years. And he always told me, do what you love to do to make a living. Mm -hmm. How lucky were you to be able to do that? Nobody gets, how many people get to do that? You're one of the few I know. You know, yeah. and, and, and so it never, it never clicked in my brain when people weren't happy about what they did. Because I always was happy that I got to do what I do. Right. Because I made that choice. Mm -hmm. And it was, well, if this doesn't work out when I'm 25, I'll go get another job. But it always worked out. So I always got to do it. Mm. All that joy was gone. I mean, I can tell you some of the things I've experienced with my career. I used to go to Europe five. I went for five years in a row. They'd fly me over there to come ride their horses. And, you know, to be truthful, I was a drunk then. Mm. I didn't appreciate that. Mm -hmm. I never realized that was pretty damn special. Yeah. Sure. That was just, that was what I, how do I put that? You sort of feel like the world owes you that. Well, yeah, you I'm Scott, granted, just right? because I'm who I am. Yeah, but I never really, it's, I never really understood that that was, that was a gift. Yeah. You know, I got to do that. And, and. I've traveled all over the United States. I've experienced those, you know, my, it meant a lot to me. That's what I'm trying to say. I sure. mean, that what I do is who I am. And, and the joy was gone. Mm -hmm. It was, I didn't, I didn't, and I missed that. Mm -hmm. And I missed my wife. I missed our relationship because she's my best friend. I mean, you know, we grew up, we pretty much grew, grew up together and she grew up with me doing this and then she didn't want it she wouldn't do it anymore we had a beautiful trailer with the living quarters and when we got that she just you know she learned to drive it and she'd go to the shows with me and we'd take my little girl and you know it's kind of like dream come true sure and then she just one day says i'm not going anymore i don't want to be around you when you're drunk mm -hmm. well i was drunk every afternoon yeah and they kind of with the end of my drink at the end of my i i lost a business drank that away mm -hmm. it went away how'd it go away people just got sick of me you're just they didn't want to be around they the didn't drunk. want to be around the drunk changed person right you weren't anything somebody wanted. i wasn't doing my work like i used to i wasn't well i wasn't good to be around yeah. i was horrible mm -hmm. you know you know you knew you could tell i had too much to drink if i'd stand up against the fence like this and give a lesson yeah I'd lean on the, on the arena fence. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> if I didn't do that, I'd be... <laughs> and they kind of got funny. People would say, well, if you get with if you get with Willett before 12, he's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so what does that tell you? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so tell me about treatment. So you get beat down. Your wife doesn't want to be around you anymore. You lost your business. People, even your own customers don't want to be around Bad. you. A few of them stuck to me because they loved me. How about your kids? How'd they look at you? Well, my son was already gone out of yeah. the house, mm -hmm. starting his family. Mm -hmm. And my daughter was too. Mm -hmm. She cut and run yeah. about 16, 17 because of the stipulations. Yeah. If we, she did good at the horse shows, I loved her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's hard on a kid. Yeah, it is. You don't even realize you're doing it when you're drunk. No, because 
probably we were sort of raised that way too. You ever I think about that? Pretty much was, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we learn how to raise our kids by watching well, our parents raise kids. There's no book. No. And so what, how we're treating our kids at the time is just normal, right? It's all we know. And then you combine that with selfishness, self-centeredness. That is the root of our problems, you know? It's, it's, it's amazing looking back at what was normal and what came out, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So and you, when you're in that, when you're doing that, you don't realize you're doing no, that. You have no. to step back. And, yeah. You, sometimes it's a year later before you can look back and go, oh. It's a first oh. step and a fifth step. Yeah, that fifth step. Well, let's get to that. So you're in All rehab. Right. Go. And no. they hand me that book, and I'm reading that book, and I'm like, I want these damn promises. Wow. I, right, I, off, right off the bat. Right off promises. the bat. I wanted this. I wanted to get sober. I wanted that joy back. And I, got, I guess I was pretty lucky because the uh, obsession to drink, mm -hmm. they told me to pray about it. Right. And I prayed about it mm -hmm. in treatment. And about the third or fourth day, I, I was like, not, you know, I didn't crave it. I didn't, and I threw myself into the book and I threw myself into this, into the program because I paid for it myself. Right. I had skin in the game and I wasn't, oh, damn sure I wasn't going to waste that money. So you didn't have insurance. You, no. You wrote a check for yeah. how much did it cost, man? Like twenty grand. Yeah, that's a bunch of money. That's not a deductible, dude. No. So you know, and, and I was like, shit, damn. I got busy. I got real busy. Were you busy because of the money, or are you busy because you're like, I'm tired of hurting? I, that because of that, and I and I and I looked at it when I read that thing in there in the big book that your ass, your character defects will turn into your assets. Mm-hmm. So I, I I meditated on that. I thought about that. Thought about that. I, you know, I'd get by myself and I'd think about that. And I said, Well, what is your what is your, one of your assets? Mm -hmm. I'm tenacious. Yeah. Mm. So I'm going to look at this program like I look at a a young horse I'm training mm -hmm. that's giving me problems. I know how to go there and I know how to make positive. Yeah. I know how to fix that. Mm -hmm. So that's what I decided about this whole AA thing. I said, you know what? I'm not going to have, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Whatever they tell me I got to do, I'm going to do it. You know, we, we're that way. If me we don't want to do it, if we don't want to do it, we ain't going to do, do it. If we want to do it, you can't stop us. Get out of our way. Yeah. And yeah. that's where I was. That's, mm -hmm. you know, where, because I, 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 then I had to reflect. I had to meditate on it. I had to look at it. I, you know how we, I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but it it just because I wanted it to be second nature. Yeah. You were so different from me because I don't think I really even heard that word character defects until long down the road. You know what I mean? Oh, I mean, really? Yeah. You were like, okay, this is what I got to do. Let's get over these character yeah. defects. You know, when I first went in, I was like, man, I don't care about all that. I just don't want to drink. <laughs> you know, what's that got to do with not drinking? I think, <laughs> I think it was a competition. But I didn't go to rehab either. Yeah. And so okay. I didn't get a crash course, you know. And for me, for the first 90 days, it was just stumbling into a meeting because that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And, and a lot of it, I'm such a slow learner, I think it went right over my head. You know, it was just like, what are they talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Plus, I'm sort of ADHD or whatever, you know. I'd be dreaming about something else. But for it worked, you know, I didn't take a drink. And that's a good enough start for some of us. So um, you're in rehab and you're... 
you're getting after it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember I did a third step and sat down to start writing my fourth step. Mm-hmm. Couldn't write. Wouldn't come. Really? So I went to a gentleman at treatment, and, and I said, I think I need to do another third step. Because that's what they told you. If you don't feel right at your... You're at the step you're on, then you need to go back. Mm, I never heard that. So we did the third step, and in the place of self, mm-hmm. right where it starts, right after how it works, mm-hmm. here in the how or why of it, mm-hmm. you have to put put the word child in there. Ooh, I've heard you so talk about that. So the whole thing, you read that, and you say childishness, child-centeredness, child-pity. That whole third, to the prayer... And what I saw in my mind's eye was this little toddler, grown-up toddler man, 50-something years old, Mm -hmm. throwing a sucker in the dirt, (laughs) kicking and screaming. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? My father didn't act like that. Right. He was a World War II vet. Mm -hmm. You know, why do I act like that? Mm -hmm. Why am I still acting like that? How are you acting? Tell but me. Just like a little baby. Yeah. Just a brat. Mm-hmm. Don't get in my way. By God, I'm going to figure out how to get my way. Yeah. And that's what we do. And yeah. then if it, I couldn't get it anymore, get my way anymore, I just grank. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. And that goes back to we have to quit playing God. I remember reading that the first time. It's like, I guess I do play God. You know, it took me a while to grasp that concept when someone said, how are you playing God? And I said, I don't get that. But then when someone pointed out all the different ways I manipulated people, um, had to have things my way, you know, um, it became very apparent just how much my whole life I had done nothing but attempt to play God. Yeah. Yeah, for some reason, I guess fear. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, that fear that... We're not going to match up. Well, the other part of it is, is um, having a picture in my mind of how life was supposed to be. And if you weren't doing your part to make my life the way I wanted it to be, if you weren't behaving the way I wanted, if I wasn't yeah. getting from you what I wanted, and if you might keep me from getting that I thought I wanted two days from now, I was already working. Oh, yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. And then... But it took me a while for someone said, you know, before I could uh, grasp that term of playing God and just how I did it. It sounds, the whole reason I bring that up, it sounds like it came to you real quick. Yeah. I mean, in rehab. It did. Everything happened there. I mean, it was, you know, and I think I had to be there. I think God knew I had to be there because I didn't need any outside interference. Yeah. I needed that. I needed AA spoon-fed to me, and that's pretty much what they did. How long were you in rehab? 32 days. 32 days. And I know you worked through your fifth step. Yep. So how far how far through the 12 steps did you all go in rehab? Fifth step. Through the fifth Part step? Part of it was you had to do a fifth step in rehab. Mm-hmm. You had to go out in the community, at the community of AA, because mm-hmm. we'd take two meetings a week right. outside of the treatment center, mm-hmm. and you had to find somebody there. And that, at those meetings. Wow, and do a fifth step and with do them, a fifth total step stranger? With, yeah. Holy cow, how scary was that? It was real scary. So how did you pick the person I you just did your fifth would, step with? Every time I'd go to a meeting, I'd just make, I'd watch and see who was always there. Mm-hmm. 
and I'd listen to his share. Right. And what was it about their share that where you said, this is the person I want to do that fist up with? He didn't talk about himself every time he talked. Wow. And what did that It was, he talked about, if he talked about himself, it was how he had changed through the program. Mm. And he had like 25 years sobriety. Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah. and he came up to the meeting, mm -hmm. up to the center, and we did a fifth step. And okay, this is the other thing about the fifth step for me. I'm going to go on. But, go. You know, you think you're writing your, the American novel, right, when mm -hmm. you do a fifth step. And mine was, I, you know, I went way back and that, the childhood thing and all that. And what I learned about my fifth step when I read it to him and when he was, I saw my life, my li the way I saw my life had changed. Mm -hmm. First time I took my wife home, this is a story. When we left Florida, coming back home, she looked at me and she says, I don't know why you bitch all the time mm -hmm. about where you're from. What do you mean? I just cried constantly about my parents and about this and about that. Mm -hmm. But it took me riding that fist step to see my life in a different, with a different pair of glasses. It's hard to deny it when it's in black and white, right? Exactly. And my wife used to tell me that. You have no reason to gripe about how you were raised and how you, how you yeah. came up. Yeah. Because she didn't know. She come, I could bring her home to meet my parents. We're not married, you know, um, before we got married. And she was like, my dad would just dote on her. Uh-huh. You know, she loved raw oysters. He'd sit out there and eat and open raw oysters for her. Wow. You know. Mm -hmm. So where did you grow up? Florida? Florida. Why did you Florida plant, Panhandle. So, Destin, Florida. I love Destin. We this. lived on the base side. I know we, what you're talking about. Yeah. So what brought you to Texas? Horses? Yeah. I, my first interview was right out of college. Um, it was when the modern pentathlon team. You don't know this story? Mm-mm. You had to be part of the Army to be on the pentathlon team. Okay. Colonel Russell was the coach. Mm -hmm. Old horseman. He was an Olympian in Rome back in the day. Right. Great horseman. He wanted me job interview so I come out here I get I have the job and but then on my way back home I stopped in Houston and I saw stopped at this quarter horse place and I took that job mm -hmm. and that's what brought me to Texas wow. and uh then I ended up in Kerrville working for a big ranch in Kerrville big horse place mm -hmm. Bobby Shelton Shelton Ranches, mm -hmm. and then now it's Comanche Trace um, Golf Course. Oh wow! That's where I met my wife. Mm -hmm. I was twenty-four years old, and they gave me a truck and a trailer and American Express car. What's up, cowboy? <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah, yeah, dream come true, uh -huh. you know, and and I was happy there. Yeah, and it felt it felt familiar because it was behind a. You know, and, and I realized this after I did the fifth step, why I was so content there. Mm -hmm. I was surrounded by a 12-foot high fence mm -hmm. on 5,200 acres. I had security when you had to go on to... I lived with rules and regulations. Mm -hmm. I had a uniform I wore mm -hmm. when I showed horses. You know what? Yeah. I had to do a budget. 
a yearly budget. Mm -hmm. I had to submit expense accounts. I had certain reg, you know, so I kind of had a, a guideline and it, it's just like I grew up. Right, right, right. I grew up like that. Mm -hmm. So I was comfortable. When everything fell apart was when I had my own business and I could start veering away from that type of the discipline. Exactly. So you go to treatment and they show you those 12 steps and they're like, these are rules to live by. Mm -hmm. At first I was like, rules to live by. Yeah. But you know what? I crave that. Yeah. I need that. Mm -hmm. I need that structure. And I understand that. Mm -hmm. I don't deny that anymore. Before, I denied it. I don't need that structure. Mm -hmm. I'm living my I life. think we all want it. We all need it. Yeah. It makes us feel safe and secure. Absolutely. It makes me content. Mm -hmm. I know where I begin, and you know, and that's what I get with the twelve steps. Right. There's right. There's principles in every step, and those principles. Maybe I need to go back, but about treatment, about when I did my fifth step, it had rained. Mm -hmm. All right. I come outside, and I feel like there's two helium balloons connected on my shoulders. Wow. I'm just. Right after you got to doing your fifth step with after the guy. My you fifth step and there were two rainbows in the sky. Holy cow. So that's another God thing. Yeah. Right? Right, 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 right. You know, when everybody in treatment, they know you're doing your fifth step. Mm -hmm. And they look at it and hey Scotty, look, that's for you. That's God telling you. Right. I mean, you know, it put puts goosebumps. Yeah. Those experiences. Yeah. yeah. So you know, so that's how it was for me. It, mm -hmm. You know, the wind did blow through me, mm -hmm. like it, like Bill used to. Yeah. You know, it did, so, and I think God did that because I'm a stubborn alcoholic, mm -hmm. and I needed that reinforcement. Right. So tell me, um, you did five through rehab. How well, actually, six and seven too. I was fixing to say because yeah. six is pretty crucial. I think yeah. six a lot of times people gloss right over. No, no. I did five, six. Yeah, I'm ready to have these things removed. Let's do seven. Let's just knock this prayer out real quick, right? Right. But when you really start working an active program of recovery, and sometimes your behavior or your attitude really hasn't changed that much. Then you take a look back at six and you went, oh, I really wasn't ready to give this up. Right? Right. Right. And maybe I'm holding on to a an old resentment or some anger or some unforgiveness towards somebody, you know, because that was just natural for me to be angry or want revenge. I, I, I wasn't done with that person because I never got my payback. Right? <laughs> So, and then they say, oh, no, there ain't going to be no payback. You, you got to forgive them. Right. You know, and you sort of gloss over it. But then when you realize, man, there's parts of me that really haven't changed yet. That's because right here you weren't entirely ready to, to, change, to change. Right, right. right. So I think a lot of times people, I, I'm not, I can't say people, I can say me. Man, four was so ter four was terrifying to ride it. I did two fifth steps in my time now, and that was terrifying to sit down with somebody. So by the time I got through a four or five, man, I jumped almost right to seven, hit my knees and read that prayer. I never really sit down and took a look 
at my character defects and said, all right, this has got to go, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I never did that. And, and so I had to eventually go back a couple of times and say, oh, no, you weren't entirely ready, bud. You know, and so let's do that again. But it sounds like you got there real quick. Yeah, you know, the, what helped me was understanding what the principles were in each one of those steps. For instance, when you sit across from somebody and you tell them your story mm -hmm. and you tell them truthfully, it's called humility. Yeah. You know, I feel humility with you, Bubba. Yeah. I can tell you anything. Yeah. I don't have to puff up no i can be the scared little boy occasionally because i have been yeah yeah so you get to experience what those principles are you get to feel them you know because before i did a fifth step or a fourth step i really never experienced true humility mm. what's humility you scott what i just said yeah Being honest. just honest here I am, take it or leave take it. Take it or leave it. And, you know, I, I don't have to put on airs. I can just be, you know, at this moment who I am, just honest and raw. Right. You know, and grateful. Mm -hmm. That's what humility is But, for you me. know, I've always known that about you because when I listen to you share meetings, and when you talk about things like humility <clears throat> and the other things that I've heard you share in meeting, there's a realness to it. There's a real genuineness to it. I go, you can tell when someone's full of shit at a right? right? And is it just me? No, I can tell. You can tell when someone's just saying stuff, and you can tell when someone lived it, and you can tell when someone um, is being hardcore honest, and you can tell when someone has something to add. Yeah. And I've always got that. When I've heard you speak about humility or... A God of your understanding or whatever. It was always genuine to me. It always was. So um, that's the, one of the reasons why I had you on this podcast. So we had six and seven. So you get out of rehab, right? Right. Go back to work. So what? how was your wife looking at you when you got out of rehab? Cautiously. Yeah, that's understandable. Real cautiously. Mm-hmm. Because nothing really has changed yet, right? No, no. And and it was tough. It was real tough. What was tough? Because you go from making, from having a business that's, per, that's successful and, mm -hmm. you're, and you're creating money. I mean, you're creating, you're, you're doing things and it's, the money comes. Right, right. And right. then it quit coming. Because of the bridges you Because the, do I drank it away. Yeah. And we were real fortunate. Her mother set up her a trust mm -hmm. for, I don't know, it lasted about three years. Right. Just to, you know. <laughs> Get money to live on. Yeah. So yeah. How, how were your uh, relationship with your kids when you got out? Pretty non-existent. Really? Yeah. So how's your relationship with your son today? Good. Really good. Good? Really good. Because you, know you know what I've just now noticed, bud? I've always heard you talk about your daughter. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that here shortly. But I don't know if I've ever heard you mention your son. And I've known you for 12 years. Yeah. Chase, yeah, he's a great guy. That's, see? You know, 
You know what's funny? And this is a sidestep. This just says a lot about AA. I'm an honest confession right now. I don't think I know your last name. <laughs> is it start with a W? Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, how often do we use our last name? We don't. Right? And whenever we get done at a meeting, we're always talking. This is going on. That's going on. But how many times do we sit down like two old friends? You know what I yeah. mean? It's different. You get to know someone better than a lot of people know each other. You know me better than 90% of the world, but there's a whole lot you don't know about me. I know. It's all in the confines, right? right. And so we're going to talk about your relationship with your daughter, but I don't know that I've ever heard you mention your son. So it's a good relationship, and mm -hmm. that's where you got how many grandkids? How many kids has he got? He's got three boys. Wow. So you got, you're a grandpa to three, three, three boys. That's pretty special, bud. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty friggin' special, yeah. man. Yeah, three That's boys. So cool. Okay, so tell me, so you get out, and your relationship with your son was fine. Yeah, it was cool. Your mom, she was married. He was married and gone. Yeah. Okay, and uh, mom sort of got one eye on you, one eye on the door. Yeah, That's no, the, she's that got one eye on me and one eye on kicking me out that door. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, and then uh, so you, do you have a job, or are you just doing? I nothing? have about. Five customers left, mm -hmm. and I'm helping another trainer. And how's your relationship with your customers at this time? How are they looking? Were they did they know you drunk? Yes, they knew me drunk. And how are they looking? They're at happy you? that I'm sober. Wow, real happy. Yeah, real happy. But nothing's really changed yet, have it? Besides the fact that you're sober. Uh, no. No. You're just now learning how to live how sober. To live and sober. That's, that's a learning process. It's a big learning process. Okay. So you're, you, you're doing this. Tell me about uh, what you can about some of the amends you had to go make. Tell me about some of the amends you had to go make. You know. How, how did you make it? Share as much as you're comfortable sharing about making amends with your wife. How'd that go? I started doing shit. Start doing stuff. What? I never, okay, I've never ironed a shirt in my life. <laughs> and she okay. comes to treatment, uh -huh. and I have a bag of clothes. I said, you need to take these home and iron these shirts. Oh, oh. You know what she said? What? She said, F you? Yes. <laughs> I bet she so did. I had to find some sweet little girl in treatment to teach me how to iron a shirt. boy. So you had to I learned to iron a shirt. So what was the first time, what was it like the first time you got home and she saw you start ironing the shirt? She couldn't believe it. Yeah. But that's when they started to go, man, something's changed. Something changed. I started cleaning the house, started cleaning the toilet, bathroom. I never cleaned a bathroom. Uh-huh. I Scott, I ain't going to clean that bathroom. It's yeah. beyond. It's above. I'm beyond it. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to this day, I did it. Mm-hmm. You know, I started grocery shopping. I started doing all the stuff I never would do. Right. Because all I have to do is go make the money. Mm -hmm. So, but now you're a partner in a I'm a real partner in, in this relationship. Right. So, at what point did she look at you and say? She said to me one day, when are the promises going to happen? Mm. She read that book. Yeah. And what did you say? I said, well, they'll slowly but truly start <laughs> happening. Right. They but she come. was confident they were going to happen? 
I think she was. Yeah. She saw She you. saw a change in me. She saw a big change in me. And mm-hmm. she got involved with AA. Oh, did she? She got involved. She she loved my sponsor, mm-hmm. Al Humphreys. She mm-hmm. just loved Al. Right. And and she got she was she'd come to the birthday nights and, you know. And she was Cuz you know, I don't think I met you her. You never met her. Uh-uh. Yeah. She hasn't been in a long time. But things are different now. Sure. We'll talk about that. Yeah. So, um you're out. Out out doing the deal. Out doing the deal. Hadn't been arrested yet for that car wreck. Mm. Talk about Took them that. a year and a half. A year and a half? They to finally do um, subpoenaed the blood work. Mm-hmm. And they got me for a DWI. A year and a half later. So explain that to me. What blood work? From the hospital when they drew blood at the hospital. So you had the wreck. Yeah. And you went to the hospital. Yep. They drew blood. And they forgot about it. And then they, they a su- year and a half later, later, they subpoenaed the blood work. And they arrested me. And then what happened? I went. I had to go to the jail, and you know, and then they wouldn't let me out of the jail because I was born in Germany. So I had to talk to Homeland Security people. What year was this? Two thousand nine. Wow. So I was, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, dude, I've been sober for two years. Now you're locking like me up. Yeah, exactly. So what was your attitude like with that? Oh, it's just, it's just part of it. Mm-hmm. You know. You're ready. This is just I, part of making part of amends this, and straightening up what I path. did and that they're getting me now and, you know. So I got me a lawyer mm-hmm. and it, I got unsupervised probation. I did. Yeah. That's pretty. That's but pretty. I had been going to meetings mm-hmm. forever, right? And I'd been getting that paper signed, mm-hmm. a stack of paper like this. Right. Plus, they just diagnosed me with cancer. Okay, that's what we're going to start talking about, right? Because nobody that I've been in and out of the room since '87, and I haven't seen anybody get as many curveballs or fastballs cram down their throat like you in sobriety because that's the reason I want you on this podcast. Okay. okay. Let's get to the meat of it. Yeah, because you know that's the beauty of the program. Nowhere in there does it say, hey, life's going to stop coming. You know, we get the tools to deal with life on life's terms. And if somebody got a big plate, wait a second, Someone got a buffet <laughs> of life on life's terms. It was you. So yeah. let's talk about the first hurdle. And this is probably real close to the time that I met you. Yeah, it was. In 09. Yeah. Right? And yeah. then I came in in June in 09 the second time. Right? Right. And that's when you got diagnosed with, with cancer. cancer. Okay, so let's go over that. All right. I had a lump on my, on my right here, mm-hmm. on my jaw. Right. And I didn't, you know. So I go to my dermatologist because I've had skin cancers and they've did the most procedure and took it off. Well, he thought it was a sebaceous cyst. Mm -hmm. So they cut into that thing. And his little helper runs out of the room like bat out of hell Mm. and goes and gets him. Mm -hmm. And he cauterizes it and he takes a biopsy, takes a piece out and he sends it off. Well, about three days later, I get a phone call from my wife. She's frantic. Mm. It is a squamous 
some kind of squamish, mm-hmm. non-salt, whatever. Anyways, it's malign- it ain't good. It ain't good. And she said it's the kind that jumps around. Oh, man. So I just start good alcoholic. Mm-hmm. You've heard me say it. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm going to say it here. I'm going to be a retarded eunuch. <laughs> yeah, I remember, yeah, I remember you saying that. <laughs> so it's already in my brain and my testicles, and it's like Pac-Man. That's what I visualize. Yeah. <laughs> well, I get a surgeon. He takes it out. He takes out 42 lymph nodes. Good gosh. And, you know, I can go into all the detail, and then they do this they do radiation on it mm-hmm. and, and then they make a mask and they so and I didn't know what they were going to do but this mask they you know they put this liquid on you and it forms a mask right. well the first time I go in for radiation they bolt my head to the table yeah like and I'm like laying there and I start doing third step prayer and the seventh step prayer and the serenity prayer and mm-hmm. the third over and while they radiate my my neck and they do this for six weeks Good and for 10 years I go get an MRI because mm-hmm. I'm allergic to iodine because of all the contrasts they did with iodine mm-hmm. for the cancer mm-hmm. I can't do iodine anymore mm-hmm. can't even eat chicken grilled where the shrimp's grow. Oh, I've heard you say that I swell up and mm-hmm. so that's that's you know <laughs> So anyway, I get through that, you know, and, and and when they diagnosed me with it, I was pretty, I was pretty upset. I was pissed, mm-hmm. and I got on. I was riding, I, you know, I was at the barn. Was drinking even an option? No, it never came in my mind. Isn't that a miracle? I just didn't think about it. I just couldn't understand how. I couldn't understand why God would do this to me. Yeah, Ugh. tell me. Let's talk about that. Okay, so I get on the horse and I go and I have my Lieutenant Dan movement. Mm-hmm. Such as explain that. Remember moment. Lieutenant Dan and Forrest Gump on yeah. the boat. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's what I did, yelling at the top of a hill on a ranch, on the place I was riding my horses. Talk to her about it. Maybe they didn't see uh, Lieutenant Dan. Talk about he, it. He he's in a storm, and he's you know on the on the shrimping boat, mm-hmm. and he lets God have it. Yeah. He chews him out, cusses him out, and mm-hmm. you know because he lost his legs and this and that and. You know, I went up there and I just, I mean, had a heart-to-heart, cried. Grown man, mm-hmm. couldn't figure it out. No, I knew I was going to die. You know, well, why in the hell was this happening? Right. And for some reason, after I did all that, it just went away. All the, you just got to do it, will it? Acceptance showed you just, up. You just got to get up. You've had a great life. Mm-hmm. You've got to do exactly what you wanted to do. Right. Don't let this contaminate everything else. And that's kind of been my motto. God showed me all that, you know, I was on this gorgeous, on this beautiful horse, mm-hmm. on top of the, you know, up on a hill, mm-hmm. looking over the beautiful countryside. Right. And it kind of just, okay, you got cancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why not? I've heard you say that. Why not me? Exactly. Why not me? Because we always think we're exempt we're from that. We're special. We're special. And then when life happens to us, we're like, no, this isn't supposed to happen to me. No, it's something I'm supposed to read about happened. in a paper. And you know, I never had anything bad happen to me until I got sober. Right. Really bad. Yeah, now I got you. You know? 
And then this other thing came to my mind. Okay, Scotty, you're blonde-haired, blue-eyed. You've lived in the sun your whole life. Mm-hmm. That's why you got cancer. This kind of cancer. Yeah. And it went internally. Mm-hmm. Instead of staying on the outside, yeah. it went inside. Mm-hmm. That was a freak deal. They never know how that happened. Okay. They've told me that. But the idea that, you know, I'm... I'm fair complected. I that's what caused the cancer. Yeah. One God. No. <laughs> right. 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 So I get through that. I'm cancer clear. You mm-hmm. know, I've had it, I've been checked. I don't have to get checked anymore. Ten years I did MRIs for right. ten years in a row, and now I don't do that anymore. Good. So I get through that, right? Uh-huh. Rocking and rolling. And that's you know, that's when I I got on disability because I'm not supposed to be in the sun. Right. Which was a godsend. Mm-hmm. And in that process, getting on this, my daughter gets pregnant and her baby daddy <laughs> is in prison. <laughs> oh, man. Goes to prison. He goes to prison for what? I don't know. Yeah, you don't I'm care. Embezzlement or something. Mm. I don't care. Yeah. Well, she's she's with us. She has the baby. Then he gets out of prison. The baby's two weeks old. He comes to the house. She leaves with him. Oh, wow. Abandons that baby there. She left the baby. Left that baby. She was living with us, but he came. She took off with him. Left that baby. Linda takes the baby to the pediatrician first doctor's appointment. And this is, there is a power greater than us. Pediatrician says, where's the mom? Linda tells her. She goes and calls CPS. She goes what? Calls CPS. Oh, really? Doctor did. The doctor did. Right. CPS gets involved. So we have CPS come into our house once a month. Mm-hmm. And the CPS lady's like, I don't know why I have to come here, but I have to come here. Sure. Then she gets pregnant again. Okay, so how often were you in touch with your daughter while not this at all? None. So you, she left. Oh, they were yeah. They, she left. When did you see or hear from her again? When she would come by to want to see the child. Oh, but, she did want to but, see. But she or was she like want to see some money or something? Well, and she wouldn't do what they told her to do. Who's they? The CPS people. She oh. wouldn't do. She wouldn't. She would not do any other program that mm-hmm. they asked her to do. Right. To get custody. Because we had concern, we had custody of the baby. So you have custody of the baby, and she says, "I want my baby back." And CPS says, says "No." Yeah, no. But if you want it back, you, you do these these things. How was your relationship? Was it pretty contentious with your daughter? Yes, it was right very now? contentious. Or did you want to keep the baby from your daughter, or what was your goals with this baby at this time? Let's get back. To I this. just didn't want the baby going into the system, and I knew Taylor. I, I knew my daughter could not take care of that baby. How obligated did you feel to take care of that baby? Big time. It was an amends. It was a do-over. Wow. For an amends for what, Scott? For how I was with the other one, with my daughter. Mm-hmm. I could not see this precious child. I had to. I had to do what we had to do. We were, you know, God gave us gave it to us. Yeah. You and uh, when we go back to. The dangers of playing God. 
how did that play with your relationship to your daughter? This is what I want for this baby. Was there any of that? Thing? No, was the there reason, any selfishness? No, in? because it was out of our hands. Because mm. it was with CPS. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I'm going to do what they tell. I know what I want for this baby. Right. But I'm going to trust something else with the outcome. Exactly. That, that, that power. And I consider that that was God doing working through CPS. Yeah. Okay. He's, you know, they stepped in. They mm -hmm. took it out of our hands. Right. So now she's coming back, and she's she's saying she wants the baby back. She's but, probably no contention. No. Is she using herself at this time? I think she is. Yes, yeah. of course she is. Yeah. And then, where does it go from there? Well, we have, you know, we, we, got, we have guardianship. We have custody. Right. And then in this process, we have to file bankruptcy. Okay, so let's, let's recap right here for our listeners. You get out of rehab, you start turn back into old Scott. Mom, wife sees, man, there's a change in this guy. And the joy's back. Joy's back. Bam. Cancer. Right. Bam. Daughter leaves a baby with you. <laughs> Bam. Bankruptcy. Bankruptcy. Okay, exactly. keep going. <laughs> and that was one of the hardest things. What was hard about that? Ego? Yeah. Because we've yeah. always prided ourselves on being able to take care of ourselves. Exactly. You know, and I grew, up, I grew up with, you don't file bankruptcy. Yeah. You just don't. I remember you talking about it. You said, Bubba, I had to go do this. And, and I remember like, you were struggling with it. You had no question with what you felt like you had to go do. Right. To you had no question. It don't mean you liked it. No. It wasn't something I planned. Yeah. And it's and the, the lawyer, we had to get a lawyer, bankruptcy lawyer. And he said, this is why bankruptcy set up for people like you mm -hmm. you could you could make a lot of money when you were working mm -hmm. so you could borrow a lot of money yeah yeah and now you're not working because you can't work mm -hmm. not like you did because of the cancer because of the cancer mm -hmm. so you can't pay those bills that you cure you know yeah and that's why it's set up that's mm -hmm. what he explained yeah so i accepted that okay mm -hmm. all right this is who i am and now i'm a bankrupt drunk uh -huh. <laughs> Poor pitiful me. <laughs> Plus, I'm taking. I'm raising a. You know, I have a daughter that has a. You know, a child, and I'm raised. We, we got custody of it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so. So what happens next, dude? Yeah, what's next? <laughs> and then it's pretty humorous, right? You uh -huh. start laughing about it. Come uh -huh. on, God. Uh, come on, God. Bring me some. Bring me some on. Come on, uh -huh. bring it on. <laughs> so. You know, she's she's running around with this guy. Mm -hmm. Back with baby daddy, daddy baby or baby daddy. Anyway, she gets pregnant again. Oh man! Uh huh. But she doesn't move back in with us. Right. She gets her a uh, place and she has the baby, and she tests positive for marijuana. Okay. CPS. Oh. Baby comes by our house, so we have two children, but by the same, you know. Mm-hmm. They come to us at birth. We get custody, and we do the whole thing over again. CPS lady comes, says to us one day, "You need to get a lawyer and get us out of your house. You need to adopt these kids." Wow. What were your thoughts to that? Well, I'm ready because I couldn't see any change in my daughter. But how? Are you... And you told me what to do. What I said. You said you got to quit helping her. Your daughter. Because yeah. you said you're, 
in your life, that's what they did to you. Yeah, absolutely. Because every time you help, you hurt her. Yeah. But I did what you said, Bob. Mm-hmm. It, it made a huge difference. You saved me. Yeah. You did. Yeah. Hard to believe. No. So we have this little boy now uh-huh. and this little girl. And, yeah. and you know, life's, yeah, we're rocking and rolling. And doing, then? I, I wake up one morning at 2 o'clock, chest pain. Uh-huh. And I can't get away from it. I keep tossing and turning. Right. Tossing and turning. And I, I wake Linda up, I nudge her, and I said, I think I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> what did she say? She said, what? And I said, I think I'm having a heart attack. So uh-huh. she's, I said, let's go to the hospital. So she, we get in the car, and we, you know, we just live two blocks from Right. Well, they don't have a cath lab there at Christmas at this time. Uh-huh. So they throw me in the ambulance and they take me down to one of the hospitals in San Antonio. Right. And they do a, they do a cath. Uh-huh. And this is how I know AA works. Okay. Because the doctors I'm in the elevator with them and they're telling as we're going to to the room they're telling me you're going to have to have five five bypasses. Good gosh. I start crying. And he says, "Oh, everything's going to be all right." And I said, "I ain't crying because of me." I'm crying because my poor wife has to go through this bullshit all over again. It's all about me again. But that wasn't about you. It was about your wife. I know. I didn't want... I said, I'm thinking about my wife. Uh That's why I'm crying. Yeah. But it wasn't about you. That's a change. That's what I'm saying. It wasn't. Yeah. It was a, and they looked at me. Mm-hmm. I said, I ain't crying because y'all are going to cut me open and do something to my heart. My poor wife. I said, I'm just crying because my poor wife has to live with this. I'm sick of it. Mm-hmm. I'm sick of it being about me. Wow. That's a miracle. And, a and that's, miracle. and it took me, I never, I didn't realize I was doing, I didn't realize it then at that moment, that's mm-hmm. what I was doing. Mm-hmm. It was after the fact. Yeah. It was like maybe six months later, I was in a meeting. And some topic came up, how you know, and it ran through my head. That was the first time in a situation, probably, mm-hmm. that I really didn't think about Scott. I was thinking about my wife. And you answered the question, when were the promises to start that? And happen? that's right there. You know, and so that's, you know, and I remember John C. Mm-hmm. came to see me. And he said, how do you do this? How do you deal with this? Mm-hmm. And I and I tried to talk to him about you know when I did a fifth step how I saw who I how my life really was mm-hmm. how blessed I was mm-hmm. privileged I was mm-hmm. all the it was just given to me here here dude go for it mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. for instance I went to out of state college I didn't I wasn't going to go to school in Florida I had to go I ended up going out of state. <laughs> so my father made me get a student loan mm-hmm. and it kind of pissed him off because he couldn't claim me anymore Ooh. Mm-hmm. but he wasn't going to pay for my education out of state oh. so I get a student loan graduate two months later I get a letter from my mom your dad paid your student loan wow being Yeah, he just wanted to see me do it. 
Yeah. To go through the process and to worry about it, but he paid it off. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm talking about. Things were just, it was easy, Bub. Mm-hmm. What, what John asked me how I do it. I said, John, I guess I get to the point, it's like, why not me anymore? Why not me? Why do I think I'm so special? None of this stuff's supposed to happen. And I think the reason I've done, gone through is this is maybe to share this with people. Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's recap. You've had cancer. Right. You're not a granddad anymore. You're a dad. Now I'm a daddy. And you got 66 years old. 66 years old, and you got two kids you're raising. Right. Right? Yep. 11, Wake up middle of the night. Uh, Wait a second. Bankruptcy. Yeah. I I got cancer. I can't work anymore. Bills are still coming in. I got to file bankruptcy. Yep. And then you're thinking, man, what next? Heart attack. attack. Exactly. Many, okay, when this heart attack comes around, how many years did you have? It was, okay, Sochi Olympics. It was December of 09, because the Sochi Olympics was of, of 2010, because I remember playing and watching it, but couldn't do anything. So I came back in in June of 06. So that was pretty close when you and I first really started spending some time and getting to know each other. Right. Right? Exactly. And by the time I get to know you, you've already gone through... Cancer. Bankruptcy. Yes. Kids. Heart attack. attack. Boom, 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 boom. boom. Right. Okay, so if it's 09, what do you have, like two years? Yeah. So you got two years sober and... Before you stop taking a drink, by the time you look up, you're raising two kids, you already had cancer, you filed bankruptcy, bam, you get smacked with a heart attack. Right. A quadruple bypass. Okay, so let's take a step back. Um, How much? Because that would be a lot for anyone to go through. I don't think that's a stretch. No, it's a life-changing experience. Each one by himself. Each one by himself is a life-changing experience, correct? Right. So, um, how did the principles and the 12 steps of this program help you navigate all of that? If someone said, right now, it's not John, it's a sponsee. It's a sponsee you're spending time with, and they go, how are you doing this? What do you say? You know, when I got out of treatment, mm-hmm. I knew I had to be aware of the principles of the program. Right. And I had a, a board at my barn that had the horses' names on it, all the way up and down. Mm-hmm. And I wrote love, tolerance, patience, courage, humility, acceptance, dignity, respect, on one side of that board, down, underneath each other, you know, boom, mm-hmm. boom, boom. Because I knew I had to keep looking at that. I had to have that ingrained in my head. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like um, repetition strengthens and confirms. Mm-hmm. So that's where it started. And I knew I wanted to use those. I guess I guess I'm trying to answer this question. I don't know if I'm getting it. But I knew I had to be aware of what those principles were first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I always thought, okay, I, I believe there's a principle for every problem that comes up. Okay. Acceptance. 
first of all, I had to accept whatever's going on. Yep. And it might not be God's plan. Mm-hmm. It wasn't God's plan. No, I don't it, believe that. You know, I that's just life. I don't think yeah, God just life. I'm pre- predisposed to having heart problems. Because mm-hmm. just. But I'm also capable, and medicine's capable of fixing those heart problems. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's why I accepted that. And I had to be tolerant of where where I'm at in my life. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. So there's tolerance. Mm-hmm. Acceptance, tolerance, patience. Yeah. It takes time to heal. Mm-hmm. And the big thing, courage. Courage to get up every day and do it. Yeah. What? Yeah. Okay. You know, and, yeah. and, and, and courage doesn't mean that there's no fear. No. It means you just go through the fear and you just do what you got to do. The last guest I had on my show, he was a Marine. Yeah. And he's the, you know, you've heard it said a thousand times, but he just said it in blunt terms. Courage cannot exist without fear. fear. Without fear, there's no well, need for, for courage. courage. They're exactly. definitely symbiotic. Yeah. Wherever there's courage, exactly, there's fear. Yeah. Right? Right. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So, And I think the other thing is just not thinking so much of myself anymore. Like you're not exempt, or what do you mean? Not yeah, I'm myself? not exempt from. Well, these. I mean, it's a pretty big jump whenever you're on a hospital gurney going in for five bypasses. But that only did four. Yeah, so well, I got lucky. Oh, lucky <laughs> you! Yeah. And, and you're thinking about your wife. That's huge. That's how the program works. Yeah. Because before it would have been all about me for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. don't even like talking about this yeah. anymore. Yeah. Because I look around, when I bring it up in me, I look around, oh, God, there No, it goes that's again. your imagination. I promise you people are not thinking that. I promise you they're not. Yeah, like here he is using the, crit, the cancer card or whatever. No, but, never once. It's always been, for me, honestly, sure. it's a reminder of how blessed I am. Because when I hear you, because I, I, I feel like over... I got my 11-year chip last week, right? Yeah. I got the chip today. My 11-year anniversary was last week. And I feel like I've gone through cancer with you. Yeah. I feel like I've gone through heart attacks with you. I feel like I've gone through bankruptcy with you. And um, whenever I start pouting at what life's throwing at me, I look over and I go, you know, you always need someone to look up to, Scott. You need you need someone to go. We need an example. And that's what we look for in the rooms of AAs. We need examples because we need somebody we want to emulate. And when we find somebody we want, what do we want to emulate? How they navigated that hurdle. Yeah. Okay. Scott got through this. How did I watched him? It's not foreign to you, no. Because you, when someone's going through that and they're honestly sharing about it in the meeting, and they're being honest about, it, I'm scared or this happened, that happened. You sort of go through it with them, right? Right. You do. And so you have an example. You have that example to follow, and that's what we look for in there. I got you. That's cool. what that's what I look for in there. So I feel like I've been through it with you, but. You know, how many heart attacks have you had? Okay, and then then two years after this bypass thing, Uh 
I go in for the nuke test, mm-hmm. nuclear stress test. Right, I remember that. I have a heart attack on the <laughs> on the damn treadmill. Okay, let's take a step back. At this time, I own an MMA gym. Right. At one point. And I'm coming there for a little bit. And you were showing up, and I was training you. And I wasn't even smart enough to go, Scott can friggin' die right here on the <laughs> And steps. that was after I had my... Bar- uh-huh. I know, and now you're on a stress test with a doctor, and you have a heart attack. And I got you slamming a medicine ball on the floor for a minute straight, a 20-pound medicine ball. Remember that? Yes, it was fun. It was yeah. good for me. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. They, she pulls me off that treadmill and, and sits my butt down in a chair. Mm-hmm. And it looked like the EKG flipped over. Mm. And I go into the hat, car, hat, and they can't do a stint because one of the bypasses is plugged up. Mm. So she says, you can't do anything. You can't ride anymore. You can't do anything. Wow. It broke my heart. I mean, I was just like. And I go back there and I said, look, you got to do something. So she puts me on Berlinta mm-hmm. for a month. Mm-hmm. They go back in, go up with a roto rooter up one leg. Right. Stents up the other leg. They roto root. Mm-hmm. Put two stents in. I'm good to go. Good to go. Two years later. Same thing happens. Mm. They go back in. They put stents in. So now I'm, you know, I'm stinted up and I'm bypassed up, and you know, and and right now I think everything's good. I don't have any, but it's humorous. It becomes kind of like okay. No, my joke was, and it was a loving joke, was every time. Um, there's a near catastrophe in the country or something's going on. I'm like, man, everybody else might die, but Scott, Scott you can't tell that's No, bitch. and then I get, remember I break six ribs and puncture a lung? Yeah. And I end up in Bamsey. Yeah. Horse falls on me. And you, yeah. you, 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 that was a great little thing. I love that. I kept it. <laughs> you're the toughest SOB I know. Yeah, you are. The th- I mean, I used to train fighters. You're the th- I mean, that's what, it wasn't a joke. I was like, man, worried about Scott. You can't kill <laughs> you him. You can't kill him. Cancer didn't get him. Two no. or three heart attacks. A horse fell on him and look at him. You know, I, six, six weeks later, I'm up and riding again. So I'm blessed and I know I'm blessed Let's and talk. I'm aware of it. Yeah. So now you're blessed and you know that. Let's talk about the latest hurdle. I mean, that's what I want people to see. You know what I mean? We just talked about we need somebody we want to emulate. Right. And so right when, you know, you probably, I would be guilty of thinking, life ain't got nothing else it can hit Hit me me with. with. I've already got cancer, bankruptcy, a couple heart attacks, horse falls on me. I got two kids I'm raising. Now my wife is diagnosed with precursor of Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's. She gets lost. Where we live in New Braunfels, you know where I live. You took me home, right? Mm -hmm. She gets lost. She can't find Eden home. She takes my daughter, to the little girl, to Eden home to read to the old people, to the Mm -hmm. people up there. Mm -hmm. And one day she left the house and she ended up on the loop. She couldn't find Eden home. And we've lived there 30 years. She doesn't tell me. She waits about four or five days before she gets honest and tells me that that, that happened. That happened. How was your reaction? Were you thinking about I, yourself or were you no, thinking about I'm your wife? No, I'm thinking about her because she's not the same person. 
I miss my buddy. Yeah. How long y'all been married? 40 years. 40 years. That's a miracle, brother. And look at everything y'all have gone through. gone through. I know we've gone through everything together. And so how is she now? She's not the same person. And how are you dealing with that? How is the 12 steps, the principles we just talked about? I make decisions to be there, to be more um, acknowledge what she does and thank her more and and um, tell her she looks good. I mean, I'm real vocal about it, pretty much everything now. Thank you for dinner. It was really good. Thank, even if it wasn't, because she, mm -hmm. sometimes she doesn't cook it long enough. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, what? she forgets, and yeah. I just put it in the microwave and just mm -hmm. zap it longer, and, and I don't make a big deal about much yeah. anything, you know. She doesn't like, you know, she, uh, certain things really just upset her. Mm -hmm. Like, if you mow the grass too short, I ignore all that stuff. Do you ever get a sense like I gotta get it in now because one day she might not even yeah you know she might not even recognize me she won't even know who I am how hard is that it's hard it's real hard it makes me it scares me sure have you got the tools to deal with it when it I, comes I yeah I do I got my buddies I got I got you man mm -hmm. I mean I got AA yeah I got God. You know, I, 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 and I know that. It's a sense I have. Mm -hmm. You know, it says he is a father with his children. And I remember when I read that, I could conjure a perfect father. I can imagine that. Mm -hmm. I took my dad, and I took my uncle, his brother, mm -hmm. and I combined them. You know? And that's how you see God now? That's how I see God. What, yeah. do you think, what do you think God's saying right now? He's there. You go, buddy. I think I, I think I think God looks at me sometimes and says, "Okay, what else can I? You know, I want to see. I want to see His character. I want to develop Him. Mm -hmm. And that's what I don't know if that's part of the. I think it is part of the program. We develop into better human beings." You know, just the idea that I can sit here and talk to you about what what I'm doing different with my wife now, mm -hmm. and how it's a it's a mind thing that I I mean it's a conscious decision I make. I made that yesterday, driving home from the AA meeting, mm -hmm. that I'm gonna be a I'm gonna be more um, complimentary. I'm gonna. That's yeah. That's kind of what I'm trying to do. Yeah. yeah. Not look at the negative so much. I don't know how long she's gonna be. Yeah. You gotta get it in, brother. I gotta. I gotta make her know. You know. Yeah. You know, our house is paid for. Um, all the promises. I am financially stable. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean. I don't want for nothing. I live in a beautiful place. I have a great neighborhood I live in. Mm -hmm. All those things I wanted, I got. Mm -hmm. That security, you know. So how blessed am I? So anything else that happens negative, I'm not going to let it destroy all the good. Mm -hmm.
You know, I kind of put, compartmentalize it. That's what I, when I look at it, mm-hmm. I put that over here. Like, yeah, she's, a, you know, I don't dwell on it. So I don't know what, what principle would that be? Acceptance? Mm-hmm. Um, There's almost some gratitude there. Yeah. I'm grateful that I can do that, Bubba. Yeah. That I don't have to play with that all the time. Yeah. I don't dwell on, oh, my wife has Alzheimer's. Yeah. What good is it going to do me? It's going to, when I go and I do what I do, I, I enjoy what I do. And then I go home and I enjoy, there's moments that are fine and then I just deal with the other minutia. Yeah. How are your grandkids now? Straight A students, great kids, uh-huh. happy. How old are they? Ten old, the little girl's 11, the little boy's nine. Nice. Yep. Growing up. Mm-hmm. How's AA changed your life? Every way possible. I mean, that's a, that's a hard question. How has it changed me? I'm not the same person. I'm not the selfish, manipulating, judgmental, egotistical. I can tell you all those other things I was. Mm-hmm. Now, I still am at times. Yeah. Like, I still like to win. Mm-hmm. I've seen that. Either. And I like people to tell me how good I am. I'm yeah. horseback. Mm-hmm. I crave that. Yeah. And I'll admit that. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't wreck my day if they don't. And it doesn't wreck my day if I make a mistake and somebody tells me you made a mistake. Mm-hmm. And before that would wreck my day. That would set me up to, you know, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Throw on the finger and yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I want to end this with one question. If I just showed up, got my desire chip, first came in the room, first time I came in today. You're 13 years sober. Everything you've been through. And I looked at you and I said, what am I in for? What are you in for? Uh, What do I have? What's about to happen to me? What can you promise me? What can you tell me? How's my life going to look? Five years from now. How would you answer that? Not anything like you imagined it's going to be. um, Your expectations, what you think you want, Mm -hmm. are not going to happen. Just like your story. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't, you know, I came in to get quit drinking. Mm Mm-hmm. But I got all this other stuff. Right. I, I get the appreciation. I get to look at my life and appreciate it. And before, I never did. And that's huge. Yeah. I get to I get to sit across from my friend Bubba mm-hmm. and talk. Mm-hmm. I never did that before. Yeah. Never like this. No. It was always look at me, look at me. It was always so superficial. Exactly. We were putting on airs as you know, a person we were pretending to be. You know, I, I, I remember realizing, too, that if you go to a meeting a day, you pray twice. Mm. That's huge. Yeah. That's big. Mm-hmm. For our country, for us. Right. We paid, if you go to a meeting a day, 
-hmm. You pray two times. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, and before the AA, I guess my point is, it enables, AA has enabled me to look at my life closer and realize the good things that I see, you know, the, the appreciate just that that whole concept of sitting in a room somewhere and talking to somebody, telling telling your story, and that's okay. Yeah. You know, sitting here, all the whole time we've been sitting here, I've never thought of nothing, but I was sitting here and talking to Bubba. Yeah. And before I got sober, mm -hmm. if I was sitting in this room talking to you, mm -hmm. my mind would have been down the road somewhere. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? No. I got you. So that whole idea that we can sit here and me and you can talk mm -hmm. without letting go of everything around us, mm -hmm. and I think that's what AA's given me is that I that, that 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 if there is a problem, it's not the end of the world, and I can I can look at other things in my life that aren't a problem. Yeah. And before I got sober, all I could see was the problem. Wow. That's all I looked at. You see a solution. Now? I see a solution now. I know there's a there's a way out, mm -hmm. and it's usually through the principles. Yeah, because you know I think there's a prayer for every problem. Mm -hmm. You know, like I have a Scott's book of prayers that I've written, right? And I and I do those every day. It takes about twenty minutes because there might be something going on in my life that one of those prayers, if I ask God, you know, please um, make me grateful because what is it? Hang on. Ow. I want to hear this prayer. I knew that's how we're going for it. pray I may be grateful for all my blessings. I pray I may be humble because I know I do not deserve them. Wow. <laughs> That's beautiful, brother. Scott, I appreciate you coming on. I think your, your story... Um, did we cover everything pretty good, you think? I know we did, bud. I mean, your story would be a great story for anybody who has adversity coming up. I mean, you're living proof that we are well equipped to deal with any adversity that comes our way during sobriety, right? And that's the, the real gift of the program. You know, what was our solution years ago? Drink and behave poorly. Right. You know, Viktor Frankl talked about learning to suffer well. Yeah. Right? I want to, we're all going to suffer. Yeah. How can I suffer well? With grace and dignity. How can I be an example of others on how to suffer? It's not that I'm not going to suffer. No, I'm going to suffer. You're going to suffer through cancer, bankruptcy, heart attacks, the heartbreak of having to raise your daughter's kids. Right. Right? Right. That's nothing anybody signs up for. No. And think of this. Thank you to never took a drink in your life. You never drank. Drinking wasn't a problem. 
and life threw those things at you, what would your response have been? I don't know. Scary. Isn't yeah, it? because I have tools. AA. Yeah. I have people in AA. I have, I, you know. I, yeah. That's, a design for living, believe it or not, that's what it is. That's what we get. And that's the message I want people to have. We we get tools that a lot of other people, people don't, don't have. Get. We don't, don't get. get. And what turned out, what did you what did you talk about at the beginning of the program? Your liabilities becoming your biggest assets. assets. Yeah. And they, they have been. Yeah. You know, my my tenaciousness, my the way I look at things I don't know what that would be but mm -hmm. I'm not afraid to look at something anymore yeah do you remember where you couldn't look there yeah yeah you couldn't look at that mm -hmm. yeah we can look at it yeah and we can figure out how to fix it and now and they, the guys he, look at it say bring it on and God and then you go to God and say okay give, give me the strength because mm -hmm. God gave us a brain yeah you know and and he yeah wow all right, Scott, thanks for coming on, man. Thank I you, can't man. wait to put this out. All right. Thank you, buddy. And there you have it, folks. Scott has left. I want to thank you for tuning in. A um, couple things about Scott. We were visiting after the podcast, and we were talking uh, about Victor Frankel and his suggestion of that, how we need to learn to suffer well. Um, Scott has always been an example of that to me. Um, man, his 13 years of sobriety have been plagued with nothing but potential disaster, cancer, heart attack, bankruptcies, but he's always handled it with grace and acceptance, and he's always been a great example of how to suffer and how to keep moving forward and how to put one foot in front of the other and just do the next right thing no matter what no matter what uh i thank you for tuning in we got a new guest coming next week who's got some great sobriety um we have a website now bubba norton.com uh you can contact us through the website if you know of anybody who would uh, be a good guest to have on the podcast uh, so please, uh, we're open to any suggestions. We're always looking for good stories. Always looking for good stories. And um, that's it, folks. And uh, until then, we'll be hanging out here in Wimberley, Texas, doing all we can to keep on keeping it real. See y'all next week. guest to have on the podcast uh so please uh, we're open to any suggestions we're always looking for good stories always looking for good stories and um that's it folks and uh, until then we'll be hanging out here in Wimberley, texas doing all we can to keep on keeping it real see y'all next week